everyone. Welcome to our podcast, Get Happy. And with you today is myself, Coach Heather. You may know or remember me from TikTok as Coach Heather 904. And also is my lovely co-host, Cassie Gonzalez. You may know or remember her from TikTok as little dot bow dot black sheep. Did I say that right, Cassie? Yep, little bow black sheep with periods in between. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. You said that uh, way more easily than I did. So we have been working on The Body Keeps the Score, which is a book written by Bessel van der Kolk. Um, and he is a long-term uh, uh, studier of trauma. I don't know if that's a word, studier. He's been studying trauma. therapist. Yeah, they, thank you. Yeah, my words left me. A trauma therapist. He started studying um, with veterans from v the Vietnam War um, back in the 1970s, and that's what began his book. So this book was like life changing for me. It's been a uh, like a Bible. So I invite anybody else who wants to do our book study with us. It's every other Tuesday at eight o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Um, I'll put the WhatsApp link for that in the in the description of this podcast but we're going to be talking about chapter two from that book and um some of the core topics from uh, from that book so let me share my screen and have it pulled up here give me just one moment okay here we go so in chapter two one of the things that they talk about and prioritize is sleep. And they talk about how sleep is important for someone with trauma or somebody who is mentally ill. And I asked, how are you prioritizing your sleep? Because I know that me personally, if I don't get at least eight hours a night, um, I've noticed that I become very unbalanced. The next day I'm eat more easily aggressed. Um, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm violent, but I, I think I might think internally violent. violent. Yeah, I'm internally. Thank you. Yes, I'm internally violent, but I wouldn't say like I actually act out on it. Um, I will say things I don't mean. Um, I'll flick people off in traffic. You know, I'll do things like that. And I know like those aren't like such big deals, but I, that, I'm just not that type of person who wants to act that way. I'm not a mean person. So I can just say when I start acting in those ways a big uh, number of times, the reason I'm acting that way is because I haven't had good sleep. And um, one thing that I'll share that I do or try to do, it's a simple thing, but it's not simple to do. It's called the three, two, one method. And that means no food three hours before sleep, uh, no liquids two hours before sleep, and uh, no electronics one hour before sleep. And I will tell you, if you pick out a really boring book and try to read it before you go to sleep, you will go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so boring um so yeah that maybe we can get an encyclopedia or something but it's not very exciting to do so that's why i don't probably repeat that habit but anyways so what about you cassie do you notice like whenever you don't have lack of sleep um, does that uh, like exacerbate any of the mental illnesses or um and i don't think you have mental illnesses or i mean i do let's be yeah real. yeah i don't yeah i don't want to say what you do or don't have but do you feel like that affects you at all so for me i can function on very little sleep 
And as a child, I was characterized as running 100 miles a minute at all times, physically and mentally. And because of the way that I was raised, nighttime was the safest time for me. So I stayed up in the wee hours of the night because nobody could hit me, yell at me, belittle me. Like I listened to my music, I wrote poems, and then I go to sleep at like three and get up for school at seven. And I guess I've repeated that pattern into adulthood. Like I can still function on very little sleep, but I am noticeably shorter. I have less patience. I tend to snap at my kids. So I try and I also, as I'm healing, I go through spurts where I sleep a lot. And then I'm currently in a spurt where like I could stay up until 1 a.m. and I'm still gonna wake up at seven the next day. But six months ago, we were all sleeping in until like 10 in the morning. So I have a very strange relationship with sleep, but I do make sure for my kids, we have a bedtime routine, something that makes them comfortable. And we, you know, I let them go to bed when they're tired and I let them sleep as long as they need to sleep so that they can have their own relationship with sleep. Cause they are also night owls like me, hundred miles a minute like me. And so it's like, I don't force them to go to bed if that makes sense, but we do, in our house say, if your body is tired, lay it down. And so they will like the two-year-old to be like, mommy, time nap. So it's a, like I said, it's a weird relationship, but we do prioritize resting our bodies and putting them to sleep when they're tired. Right, I think that's really impressive at two years old that he can tell you when he's tired and he wants to go to sleep. That's the mm-hmm. most important thing. Be, I mean, that's really what the whole book of The Body Keeps the Score is all about is getting back in touch with your body, you know. So I think as, as long as like, you know, when you're tired and you're able to rest, my problem is I know I'm tired, but I keep going. Mm-hmm. That, so. And that's been the challenge is to be like, like the other night I was working on a Patreon for another project I'm involved in and I had to like mentally and out loud say, girl, your brain is fried. You're now just participating in insanity. Close your laptop, go to bed. And I, I got up and I was like, kids, are you tired? They're like, yeah, mom. And we went to bed. But it's yeah. hard to actually act upon the I'm sleepy because your brain's like, but there's 10 other things you have to do or think about and you're good. Yeah. 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 That part is so hard. Like that is so hard for me to be like, but I just need to finish this. And I don't know if that's just me or if that's just us. I don't that's know. A that's a trauma response. That's actually a trauma response because ah, we were programmed. Look at our parents. They couldn't rest until everything was done. So they were always going, 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 and then they never slept and they were tired and they were pissy. And that is something that I've been working through is like, you don't have to finish everything in order to rest without guilt. And as a person in a partially black body, rest is reparations, rest is rebellion. So I've been doubly sure to honor that. I don't have to have everything done and I don't want my kids to think that they have to do this in order to have this. That is such a rigid way of thinking. So, yeah, I completely agree and I appreciate that you told me that's a trauma response cuz I've always wondered like why am I one of those people that has to get something done before I can do XYZ later? So, thank you for that. 
yep, it's going to break your brain later as you're going back through. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. That's what I'm here for. Well, I know we've talked about the next question a little bit. Um, I think we might have talked about it last time. Or, we did. Or not. Yeah, I think we did a little bit. So it says, have you ever been misdiagnosed? And if we did talk, I think we did talk about it on our last podcast mm-hmm. episode. So maybe we won't spend so much time on this. Have you been misdiagnosed? And if so, what happened? I mean, yes. And I, again, I'm going to say this is partially due to living in a partially black body but also partially due to the fact that all of our mental health education and people that are participating, it's 30 years out of date. And everything that is in those books is based on white males. And it doesn't take any other intersectionality into account. And so there, as you're seeing on TikTok, there's a wave of girls in their 30s and early 40s that are finding out that they have ADHD or that they're autistic or they have both and they've been diagnosed with bipolar and they've been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and all these different things because they have trauma and autism. So, I mean, being in a black body, I was first diagnosed with oppositional defiant disorder and conduct disorder, which are typical when it comes to diagnosing black children because there is no additional, they don't really look into it. Black kids are violent throw it away and then that puts them on the pipeline to prison because nobody takes them seriously so the whole nation at this point is misdiagnosed I've talked to I don't know five or six people in the past two weeks that they're like I have this and this and this and I'm like take the rats and they all contact me and they're like I scored a 180 (laughs) you know what I mean like ruining lives one rad score at a time over here but I mean, yeah, it's it's horrible. And then you have to relive your entire life through memories and grieve what could have been be- if you had had the correct help or the correct support. And then you have to learn how to accommodate yourself and fight for your diagnosis and learn how to be who you are all over again. Because the person that you were was a mask. No matter what disability or mental health condition you have, we are socialized to shut up. Like we were talking about, people ask you if you have a good, uh, how are you? And you're supposed to stay good. Really, you're like, I wanna throw myself off the bridge, but cool, like it's a mask. So yeah. I was literally just talking about that with um, another TikTok friend um, a few hours ago about that. Um, And I was saying like how I have a lot of anxiety as an adult because I took the mask off and since I took the mask off I don't have like a cover story or a script to relate to anymore mm-hmm. um I don't have and when I say cover story I'm really just kind of talking about like my heatherisms uh just things that only I do that I feel like maybe I should apologize for like always saying sorry oh i'm sorry mm-hmm. i apologize so much like you know just stuff like we that we apologize for existing because we're taught to I, exactly we're now, to take I'm, space. now i'm realizing i don't want to apologize for existing anymore so i don't know what to say you don't <laughs> so i'm just awkward and quiet it's because we we are socialized to be nice and we're socialized to be polite. Like I had an ex- experience in a Sam's Club where this older white woman reached into my cart to pinch my son's cheeks. And he's like, don't touch me. 
And she's like, your son's rude. I'm like, you are a stranger in a grocery store approaching him in a pandemic. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? She was like, she was a boomer silent. She was older. But we're socialized to not take up space and to be polite. And that blind compliance has led us to be the people that we are. So we put ourselves in some shitty situations being taught blind compliance, blind obedience. Yeah and, yeah, and another thing that you shared with me earlier that made me really go, wow, is when we were texting and you said, um, re-quote me if I'm wrong, but you said, I trade off my inner child for someone else's happiness. And you I was betray like, her to make other people's comfortable. Yes. Yeah. And I just think about all the situations I've put myself in where I just literally smiled and I was like, why am I around? Like, why am I hanging out with these people? Like they all talk shit about each other. So I know they talk shit about me, but here I am. I'm just smiling. Being and here. I mean, tons of girls have smiled their way through assaults because they're just, that's what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to, even if someone touching you or talking to you makes you uncomfortable, you're just supposed to smile and be like, <laughs> cool. I Dude, I, I, I wouldn't say I've smiled through assault, but I've like definitely put myself in really bad situations where I could have gotten assaulted and they were all at AA, um, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and hey, because men... you're supposed to say no. <laughs> yeah, and the, all men are like, oh. I'll take you to Ruth Chris. I'll take you to wherever you want. And I was just like inside. I was like, this dude give me creepy vibes. But I, like, I literally was afraid to say no. And luckily, like there was other people around that were like, Heather, um, I'm saying no for you. You shouldn't go. So that's actually the only thing that stopped me. See, and there again, there's a phenomenon that's a conversation that's happening on TikTok right now. Of, like, just say no to a man but there's, there's compilation videos of girls that have been killed for telling a stranger no. Pull out their gun and shoot them because they rejected them. So it's like, just get the number, give a fake one. And some men will make you call your own number to make sure it's like, it's it's a touchy thing. Yeah, it's, so, it's weird. Yeah, it's so weird. That's a good idea to give. I haven't had that happen to me in a long time. You're married. Um, yeah, I'm married. So <laughs> I don't find myself in too many sticky situations anymore. But yeah, if I ever do, um, I just thought of another time. I I uh, saw this surfer guy driving driving down the highway, and I thought he was cute. So I put my phone number in the in my window, and I've he actually called me. <laughs> I've done like, that. <laughs> That's so funny that we've both done that. Oh my God. <laughs> Girl, when I lived in the Bay Area, this is totally off topic, but related to what you just said. When I lived in the Bay Area, like I was I was running an HR department, so I was always dressed up. My hair was long, like I was fly as shit. And oh, I I need had... to see this picture of you. Huh? I need to see a picture of you. I'll this. send you a picture. But no, like I've had men in traffic drive alongside me and like sign language their number to me or like I had one that was like pull over like legit I, I've had men give me their phone numbers in traffic and I'm just like for real guys for real like I mean some of them were cute there was one I thought was a lesbian and then it turned out to be a boy and I was like eh, never mind but 
it's yeah it's you just don't want to say no because they'll follow you or they'll you know <laughs> yeah yeah I didn't want to say no after I gave that guy my phone number yeah I couldn't believe he actually called me and was like let's go hang out and I was like just kidding I felt so stupid I was just being bold that day sir sorry sorry you yeah. got caught up in fuckery yeah, he took he he took it took it nicely though. He was a, okay. he was a pal about it. Oh gosh, I need that belly laugh. Thank you for that. Right. Um, and our next question kind of ties into what we were just talking about as well. What lies do you tell yourself? And then I actually use that. I actually put an additional question. How can you use that to your advantage? And I think when I wrote this question, I was talking to my cousin actually. And she didn't want to turn 27 because her dad died when he was 27. And she was like maybe six or something. So she just finally is at the age where her dad passed away, which you can understand, you know, that would probably be kind of awkward for someone to be that age. And I told her, I said, don't, don't you remember who we are? We're the Hurlbirds. We're fucked up people. Just lie. <laughs> just lie and say you're 26 for the next year. Dude, no, I remember we talked about this and I was like, no, give her the 26 plus one, 26 plus two. I had a friend that she's still, she's like 45 now. She is 29 plus eight. Like that is just how it has been. She is, that she refuses to say how old she is. She's 29 plus however many years. Yeah, you know what? Ever since we talked about that in my FYP, I've been seeing people on TikTok being like, I'm 40, but I tell people I'm 26 and they believe me. And they're all like, ha, 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 And hey. I'm like, see, other people do it. If they, if other people lie about their age, why can't I? I mean, we're, because we have agency over ourselves. And I mean, like, like you said, we can, I have been gaslighting myself into success. Like it's literally what affirmations and mantras are. Repeat them, fake it till you make it, repeat it till you believe it. Like it's literally positive gaslighting. It, no one looks at it that way. But when you say, if you, do, if you think at your core you are ugly and you look in the mirror every single day and say, I am beautiful, I am beautiful, eventually, you're gonna say it enough times that it's gonna make something click. You might not feel it, but you're faking it at that point. Like if you can, absolutely. I mean, and I've done that because I have serious self-esteem issues and I don't think that I'm attractive. And I'm surprised when other people tell me like, dude, you're beautiful. And I'm like, what? And it took me stand, staring in the mirror and being like, you're all right. And I started out light because I like, I really don't like to be talked to nicely, I guess. So I had to start out with, eh, you all right? Uh, you look kind of cute today. Oh, your hair is looking good. Oh, okay, your makeup's fly today. Like, and it just kind of snowballed into, you are not that bad looking, girl. Like, it's a it's a gradual process, but it works. Uh, yeah, I have to gaslight myself too. I love how you said, fake it till you make it. Um, and uh, one thing I thought of um, while you were talking and you said, you know, oh, hey, you look fly. You look good, girl. Um, I don't know if you follow Mel Robbins, but um, she does this thing called a high five to yourself. And you oh, stand. I do those all the time. Yeah, and they they really do work. Like, I can't believe how simple that is. But she said it's like inhuman, like, what, like brain development and wires, like, for centuries, humans have 
people, I'm holding my hand up like anyone besides you can see me. The uh, people listening to me can't see me, but I'm holding my hand up and doing the high five motion mm -hmm. has been like a celebratory thing amongst humans for like, I guess, thousands of years. So whenever you do that, it gives you a little dopamine boost. And I didn't know that. I did not know that. I, hey, I have my kid give me daps. We do potato french fries where it's like the fist bump and then you wiggle your fingers together. Like, so when I do think like take out the trash because the trash is far away from my door and I'm lazy and I don't, well, I'm not lazy. I lack spoons and it gets overwhelming quick. Uh, I'm so glad that you um, rephrased that and said that you're not lazy because that goes back to what we said, the lies that we tell ourselves. I know another thing that I'm really working through as a trauma survivor is self-sabotage. Um, I have a lot of self-sabotaging behaviors I've noticed, um, and those definitely stem from my inner child and inner teenage fears. Um, a lot of times I'm afraid I'm going to embarrass myself or um, I, w we could spend a whole nother podcast talking about the imposter syndrome, but I definitely suffer from that. And I feel like people are going to figure out, like they're going to figure me out or something like, oh, I'm coach Heather. And people are going to be like, oh, you're a really shitty coach. You're actually not a good coach. Um, but that's like, that's just one person's syndrome. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really matter if somebody thinks that, it just matters what I think. And so those self-sabotaging behaviors and thoughts a lot of times stop me from doing things I actually want to do because in my mind it's protecting me from getting hurt because my mind's like, I don't I don't want us to get embarrassed or people think we suck, so we just should, shouldn't do anything. And then I don't do anything and then I'm like, Hmm, Go back. I'm do yeah, I'm bored. I don't have anything to be proud of because I'm just laying around, just you know, thinking Being about sick. nothing. Yeah, doing nothing, isolating, and wondering mm -hmm. why I'm so lonely. You know, so I get stuck in this cycle. Blah blah blah. I'm sure everybody does, mm -hmm. and um, I'm just now becoming aware of it. So. Yeah, I, I don't have like a grand solution to it or anything, except uh, when I notice that I'm having those self-sabotaging thoughts, I'm like, just do it anyway. Just just do it. <laughs> Dude, I started because I had the worst self-deprecating inner critic. Like when I started this journey in probably like May of 2020, I realized my inner critic is a terrible person. Like I would literally dog walk them if, I, if they were a person and I ever met them because they're so mean and I had to start and I do it with my kids too because autistic people are hot we expect perfection out of ourselves and so we don't like to do things you know unless we know we can hit it perfectly and so um, we have a compliment shit sandwich where we will I'll be like you know I'm really bad at this thing because I'm not good at it yet. I'm really good at this, but I'm not good at this. You know, like when my son makes a mistake, it's I suck because I haven't learned how to do that yet. So like you can be self-deprecating and, and and but you have to add the compliment or the the concession at the end. And I've noticed that for him, he'll he's starting to add it on his own now because you know you you can't be mean to yourself because that's how you get nothing done.
that's how you gaslight yourself into believing that you can't do something. So if you can gaslight yourself negatively, you can do a shit sandwich until the inner critic goes away. I love um, how you said, I can't do that yet. Um, I've been saying that to myself more and I've been telling my son, I just said that to him either this morning or yesterday. I was like, you can't do it yet. And he was like, mm -hmm. Oh, okay. He's like, he never heard me say that before. Well, I mean, we're, we're literally modeling what was modeled for us. And so we have to take those steps to change how we do things because you were discouraged from doing it. You were told you can't do it or it's not good enough. So that's where the compliment shit sandwich comes in because you're overriding your programming. Like my son now, when he makes a mistake or knocks his blocks over, he's like, I messed up, but I can rebuild. That is like music to my ears because even as a, as a, someone who is 30 years old, that is not an instinctual thought for me. I'm like, fuck, the bit, the blocks fell over. I'm it's done. Well, dude, and Elias used to have like, explosive meltdowns when the blocks fell over like he would just the rest of them that were standing he would just like wreck shop and be like i'm done and like leave the room and we've it's taken about six or seven months to get to the point where he's like brother knock my blocks over it's okay i have other blocks like it's it's wow. a process and that he's really good his programming is from scratch and ours is not they're modeling what we've shown them so, you know what I mean? That's where the overriding comes from. You have to show them something different and you have to do it yourself. Otherwise, then you're just paying lip service and they're still gonna do what they're shown. Yep, yep, that part, and yep. <laughs> and then, then you have to deal with both of y'all's toxic behaviors. Mm -hmm. That part, so it's, <laughs> it's much easier to just like, I'm, and I heard, I think it was Meg Zennial say, our generation is learning how to emotionally regulate while teaching another human being how to emotionally regulate while reflecting on how we were not raised with emotional regulation. Like it's a big circle. Like we are learning this shit on the fly as we go. We fuck up some days, some days are bad, but like ultimately we are all learning. Like your inner child is learning that it's safe. She's learning and you have to show her, you have to guide her. So that's why like kids, if you know what to do are a blessing because you can connect that piece of you and be like, this is what I would have needed. That's at least what I do. Yeah, this, yeah, I like to do that too. I like whenever I'm connecting with my kids and I look at them in the eye and I just think, oh, I'm never going to get this time back and I just want to soak it all up in and I'm mm -hmm. glad that I'm able to be present in this moment because mm -hmm. my parents didn't do that for me. Exactly. And that ties into all of the lies that we have told ourselves and we are actively undoing because we are not, look at the good that we are doing. Look at the way that our generation is just blossoming. And we've all been told these lies and we get trapped underneath them until we're able to be like, eh, that does not seem, I am not that person. You told me I was, but I'm not. Have you heard of the seven fire generation? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The seven yeah, fires think, prophecy. 
Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I meant to say. The seventh fire prophecy. Yeah, and I and I like to think that maybe we're heading towards the seventh fire now. Which for people who don't know what that is, you can go look look it up on TikTok. There's like a different meaning for each of the fires, but the story basically goes. Um, uh, it, it kind of describes what happened um, in North America between the indigenous black and white community. You know how people colonized and came over here. Well, the the prophecy um, says that there will be a time when the when the white when the light skinned race has to make a choice between like ba like basically harmonious relationships with everyone or what they've been doing. They have to undo <laughs> their racism in order for everybody to move forward. Exactly. I feel like we're finally like I feel like that's what Gen Z like the millennials are doing thanks to the internet. Thank God. Um thank God because, for social media. Yeah, thank God because I'm just like what? I'm like I, 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 literally I not every day I wake up and feel like this, but there has been so many times in the in the last two years, I guess since the pandemic happened, that I'm just like a whole new world that and yeah, there's all this information I had no idea. Like, um, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of something specific to say right now, but just just alone in the indigenous and black communities, I learned a lot. I'll say that um, I found the prophecy. So for the seventh fire, it is in the time of the seventh fire, new people will will emerge. They will retrace their steps to find what was left by the trail. Their steps will take them to elders who will ask to guide them on their journey. But many of the elders will have fallen asleep. They will awaken to this new time with nothing to offer. Some of the elders will be silent because no one will ask anything of them. The new people will have to be careful in how they approach the elders. The task of the new people will not be easy. If the new people remain strong during their quest, the water drum of the Midawiwin Lodge will again sound its voice. There will be a rebirth of the Anishinaabe Nation and the rekindling of the old flames. The sacred fire will again be lit. Last part. And it is in this time that the light-skinned race will be given a choice between two roads. One road will be green and lush and very inviting. The other road will be black and charred and walking with their feet. And the people decide to take neither road but instead turn back to remember and reclaim the wisdom of those who came before them. If they choose the right road, seventh fire will light the eighth and final fire, an eternal fire of peace, love, brotherhood, and sisterhood. If the light-skinned race makes the wrong choice, then the, then the destruction which they brought with them into coming into this country will come back at them as much suffering death to all of Earth's people. We are absolutely in that fire, girl. Mm-hmm, yeah, we definitely are. I keep telling my son, I'm like, hopefully your generation, like, they'll just burn the whole thing and like some new grass or something mm -hmm. will grow Gen out Z's of it. burning it down, Gen A. Yeah, no, Gen Z is burning it down and Gen A, our children, are going to be the ones kind of raising them. Like, you are all taking our kids out of school and teaching them real history and teaching them how to be decent human beings without a Bible, without, you know, I don't need a book to tell me how to not be an asshole. And so they'll have the old customs because we are returning to what was Final. the indigenous way of living, communal way of living without this individualistic, I don't claim them, not all Christians type mentality. Yeah, people, no people sold their community for stuff. Like 
people yeah. work their nine to five not all people like some some people do nine to five because they have to you know like like they literally have to or they won't be able to eat but um like other people like uh i, I don't want to say i don't want to categorize but we just as a nation just made that the norm and it's not one size fits all not everybody can work that way and it's like we traded our community for like material shit for diamonds and sofas and certain people there's only certain people that are entitled to that stuff and the rest is it's basically we live in like a serfdom like we're in like a in, back in feudal times capitalism is the new slavery and there's tons of articles about it it is everything is the way it is so that we are dependent on the wage yeah you, you need to work and, and and they're saying like oh you're lazy and it's like bro you bought your house for like two nickels and a handshake you went to college yeah. with a part-time job bro like it's not the same it's not the same and on top of that our generation is a lot sicker than the boomers and, sh- mm-hmm. and stuff were like we have ulcerative colitis and and spinal bifida and like i don't compressed know. spinal cords and yeah. lupus and fibromyalgia we are the sickest youngest generation and it is because we are expressing the pain physically that our parents did not. And if you look at the the lines of disease through certain families, you can tell what their generational curses are. Mhm. Yeah, like yeah, if you look like a family that has diabetes really bad, usually you know like uh, like that runs in my family really bad and you know they're all drink and do drugs a lot, which runs with people who does that, you know, or why are you numbing yourself? Yeah, exactly. Why do you want to escape? Yeah, 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 well, yeah, I I was going to make a TikTok, I already told you about this, but I guess I'll share it on the podcast, Um, I was doing some, like, some uh, ancestral digging on my part last week, and, I mean, obviously, I've made several podcasts and videos, we know my family's fucked up, but, um, I was reading this thing uh, from one of my, like, I think it was like my third great grandfather and they shipped a black woman over here from Africa and she was married and I believe she had three children back in Africa. I don't know what her name is. And they said she was really sad and grief stricken when she got here. Of course she would be like, she wouldn't, it just makes me like, almost disgusted that they would even write that in there like in that about her like obviously you would be we weren't people chattel slavery it was literally legalized breeding so like it was the normal yeah it was like yeah like yeah like literally talking about her like she's a cow like oh a sad cow oh she's a sad human like obviously she's sad you stole her from her continent so anyways and then they said that she stayed here for three or stayed with the family for three years and that she was called black mama and that the family actually really liked her but then she was out in the cornfield one day and somebody gagged her and they sold her for a frying pan and that is sadly very normal it was for less too yeah and the two sad parts about that is the first thing you said that that was normal and second of all like that happened in my family like I know 
I didn't do that or have anything, but it just makes me so sick that that's like people, like people I'm related to did that. So and that's that what our country actually, was built on. That part, but that is, you just hit a, you just hit a thing about why people don't want CRT. The feelings that you felt, they're trying to protect their kids from that. And they're trying to, you know, assuage the guilt. You feel guilty, right? You feel awful. I right? do, but, but at the same time, I feel sympathetic to the people it happened to like it needs to be talked about because like that's how you until, do it until until, until this year I would just all you know I say this year because that's when I've kind of had like my spiritual awakening I would just be like it really well that really sucks but I'm not black like that's just the way I thought of it because that's the way I was raised to think of it so I think that's where my guilt comes from is like my lack of um I don't want to say I didn't care. I just that I just had a, it was a, a lack strict of empathy way of thinking. It didn't affect you. It had nothing to do with you. Yeah, and now it does because I'm like it does have a lot to do with me. Literally, like my my grandma was alive when this grandpa did that to a black person, and that mm -hmm. like and the way she like the way he raised her is the way she raised me so it is related you know so mm -hmm. it is uncomfortable but i think it needs to be uncomfortable it's just one of those things needs to be uncomfortable so this ties into because there is if you're doing anti-racism work uh, my grandmother's hands is awesome because it's very much the body keeps the score but for racialized trauma and he talks about clean pain and dirty pain the clean pain is the pain that we are feeling now where we're processing our emotions and we're feeling how shitty it feels to have these things have happened to us, right? And then like also awakening to the horrors that have gone on up to now. A lot of white people exist in dirty pain, which is shame and blame and deflection because that's easier than doing what you're doing, saying like, wow, my line was screwed up. Well, th yeah, thank you for, uh, for saying that and for um, explaining it to me. I, I definitely want to read um, my grandmother's hands next. Um, and yeah, I can, uh, I guess I can understand how uncomfortable it is to talk about because you think about my ancestors did this to your ancestors and it's pretty terrible. But I think if you don't talk about it, then people will have a lot of like bad feelings and usually most fights are caused by a lack of understanding and if people we don't understand each other then we don't respect and love each other and me personally i just think what the bipoc community had to go through was unspeakable i don't have any words for it as a white person so I just think they should just keep talking and talking and talking until they don't feel like talking about it anymore. And I think the least that white people can do is listen. And they, sh I think it should be taught in school. It, like, we're a freaking country that's built off of that shit. How are you just gonna sweep it under the rug? You know, sweep uh, everything under the rug. No, go ahead. I was gonna say that ties into the next question of learned helplessness. Like, it you you put yourself in this nice, comfy position, and you're like, I don't know, I didn't do it. That can't be me. Like, 
it's a it's the way you were taught and it is something like you probably were taught that men do this and men do that and you don't do this because you're a girl like and so it's we're programmed to be helpless we're programmed to be lacking in empathy we does that make sense yeah it does because like as you're saying this i literally am envisioning me being six years old and watching bugs bunny i think and there was like some racist ass shit on there and i just remember thinking at six years old i can't believe this is in a cartoon and and my granny was just like oh it's okay you're you're not black don't worry about it i'm like what the Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to like I should I'm I think what me laughing at this is a trauma response. No, no you have funny. to no girl you have to because like I have a friend who she's realizing now that she was sent to a daughters of confederacy meeting as a child and like she went to a ball for da- daughters of confederacy and now she's like what happened why why was she white or black She's a white girl in Florida. And she got sent to the state. Her mama what? sent her to the Daughters of Confederacy Ball as a teenager. Oh God, that sounds terrible. That sounds just as bad as those teenagers that have to get sent off to the woods like to learn about Jesus. I don't know if you've heard about that. We should do a, po- a podcast about that because apparently there's like thousands of teenagers going into the Jesus woods and they're disappearing and not coming back happens all the time actually the queen right now is being uh questioned well she's dead now but they were questioning her about 10 native children she took on a picnic into the woods to teach about jesus that just never came back yeah apparently that's still happening like that's a real thing like i don't remember what it's called but there's like it's like a real do you remember maybe you heard of that oh gosh i can't remember it was a workplace that you could send troubled teenagers and they could learn how to like do a certain type of work thing and when they got out they would have that skill you know what i'm talking yes, about those yes those happened but like teen retreats for the t- troubled teen industry thankfully i never went to one but there are a lot of survivors on tiktok sharing their stories currently my cousin went to it and it didn't it did not do him well i'm scared to know what happened to him up there but apparently there's this thing where they it's similar to that except they just go live in the woods like like they learn how to eat they give them a trade yeah they give them a trade yeah and apparently there's like at least 60,000 kids or something in America that have not come back I mean Dr. Phil has one of those camps are you serious Mm -hmm. That's why they'll catch me outside girl doing him right now because she got sent to one of those troubled teen in the woods facility things and she's had unspeakable things happen. Girl, look it up. Oh, I'm gonna look it up after (laughs) Yeah, like, what the fuck? Like, Mm because even that's crazy with the queen, but you think, oh, that was back in the 60s, but no, this shit's still happening today. Mm-hmm. I mean, right Cashman outside girl is just barely 21, 22, 25. She's young, you know? She was a child when it happened, but that's happened that recently. Yeah, yeah. I saw on TikTok, they said it's still going. Mm-hmm. They exist all over the place. And parents basically pay for their children to be abducted and, like, squirreled away into the woods to 
learn discipline and obedience and yeah usually it's the parents fault that they're acting that way just throwing that out there no I completely agree with you <laughs> I'm yeah a lot of times like when they do the interview I'm like dude, you've had 17 years with this kid. Like they're literally acting out. <laughs> like, like, why didn't you do something do about this sooner? sooner? That part, that yeah. part. Yeah, like, yeah, like they're, they're enraged probably because you've been parenting them not very good. I mean, my mom admitted to my doctor that she had untreated mental health problems and was like, I have no interest in treating them. She's just a bad kid. And that is typically the story is a lot of our parents are afraid to face themselves. And that actually still ties into learned helplessness because there's like, they know these things are wrong, but they've never had help in the past and they don't know how to get that help. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes it's sense. Big and scary. And then they're, you know, going back to what I was talking about earlier, the the script or the mask, you know, like that I was wearing, I think they get caught up in all the toxic behaviors that goes with that. And then they stay sick. They stay in the same toxic job or same toxic people and they never get out of that cycle ever. It's because it's too, it's a crushing blow to their ego and that generation remember was the me generation they they cult cultivated and curated these beautiful appearances and images but on the inside everything was decaying and rotten mm -hmm. so they yeah. can't do it these makes are me think about better. the guy who made victoria secret what about him i don't know that one Oh, apparently, oh, you haven't heard that song trending on TikTok? I'm a Victoria's Secret. And oh, no. Oh, it, she was made up by a dude. Dude! And it's like a dude in Ohio or something like that. And um, it shows Jeffrey Epstein's picture. Huh. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, apparently Victoria's Secret is that she was made up by a man, a white man. Like, wouldn't you figure it? A, a white man with a mommy complex at that. And he girl. couldn't get a girlfriend. So he made a girlfriend. He drew a very skinny blonde girl with big boobs. And that is Victoria's Secret. And just think about all the Americans that have just literally just, just gave spent or not Billions. whatever spent gave hundreds and hundreds and thousands of dollars on shitty ass bras that don't feel that good to make i'm not a white girls. dude with mommy problems rich mm -hmm. that's what we did that's what america <laughs> i mean isn't that what we do with every single billionaire in this country yes yeah <laughs> yeah we go and buy yeah. um, the kardashians do makeup and support them but we but you know poor jennifer like who sells i don't know mlm which don't get me wrong sometimes they are kind of annoying but i'd rather support her usually than kim kardashian i'm gonna support a local small business usually black owned because yeah no i'm super tired of making billionaires rich Kylie Jenner yeah. is getting dragged across the internet right now for that. She's doing a series where she's putting on her, her cheap makeup in her many different expensive cars. And people are like, you are so privileged. You don't even know how to read a room. Like people are literally deciding between food and electricity right now. And you're like, look at my Bugatti. Yeah. 
there's so many people like trending on my FYP where they have to choose or not cho- or not choose um they give where they give their kids meals but not them mm-hmm. and they're not eating it and um, that's really sad that we're in 2022 and first of all that there's 800 million people worldwide that don't even have access to fresh cleaning run water but yeah. I, I don't know how many homeless and I don't know like exactly Billions. what the in America is yeah but just to think about how many people are going to bed hungry in 2022 like I, that and we waste so much there's so much food like it's they, they the companies waste billions of dollars of food every day because they don't allow it to be given away at the end of the day throw the trash there's yeah, actually people now that are going that. through the dumpsters and like they're risking being arrested to take all of the food out and wash it and give it to food banks or give it to people in their neighborhood. Yeah, I've never, ever, ever gotten that. Like they're throwing away all that food and they don't want to give it to someone because- Because it they- doesn't make them money. They get money for their waste. That doesn't make sense to me though because they're just going to throw it away. like. I mean, they're, they're not even paying their it. They're not paying their workers a fair wage. Why would they give a shit about anyone and their lack of they, they can eat? And that is the problem with with the country. Is like, well, I I'm fine. That's why Roe v. Wade is what it is because it doesn't affect you till it affects you, and now it's too late. But then, like that makes me wonder. Like, if you watch that um, Tiger King show. Um, that guy, he was feeding all of his animals in his his establishment, like, uh, food that Walmart was going to get rid of. So I wonder, like, how he got that, but, like, not homeless people can get it. Because when you're rich, you make deals. Oh, like, so uh, maybe he paid for it? He might have paid for it, but he also could have easily dumpstered of it. And they're only going to prosecute you if it's somebody that is poor. It's not. And have you seen the trend that's going around right now? That's what is something that is classy if you're rich, but trashy if you're poor? Like oh, I that, haven't. That. Oh, oh, I want to see check that. It out because, yeah, there's a lot of things like we're I'm old poor. You know what I mean? I and all the things that I have done, like thrifting is now trendy. It used to be trashy to buy your clothes at a thrift store. People made fun of you. And now it's like we have people that are, um, what's it? They're boutique shopping. And then they turn around and they like flip it and they charge double for a used item of clothes. It's insane. It's insane. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that is insane. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of people on TikTok trying to make being homeless trendy which we were talking about mm-hmm. homelessness so that is kind of annoying they're gentrifying homelessness and now they're because they're criminalizing it across the country they're putting in benches with spikes or benches you can't lay on they're putting spikes on the ground like they're actually they have anti-homeless architecture so now it is like trendy people are doing the schoolie trend and it's like bro i don't have two hundred thousand dollars to make myself a section like one of those nice cookie cutter homes inside of a school bus like i don't i would literally be living in a car with like curtains if that was the kid that's how most of us live yeah all these people like make their make a bus look so nice to live in i'm like 
it's a rolling death trap, first of all. Those buses are not meant to carry appliances. Like, it's, have you seen a schoolie crash? It's not cute. Yeah, that, that part. I hadn't thought about that because I only thought about, like, when I see the video on TikTok. And it's, it's beautiful. Like, yeah, it's beautiful. But yeah, I didn't think about the, it, it crashing. Yeah, that They're meant to carry children, not thousands and thousands of pounds of hardware and appliances and wood floors and cabinets and all the dishes and the people and the, they're not meant to carry that. Yeah, it's people dangerous. are really getting, they're making businesses out of, out mm -hmm. of making homes out of buses. It's like a, a, a new thing. Mm -hmm. It's called gentrifying homelessness. They're literally coming in and they're making homelessness. But then it's illegal to be homeless. Only if you're poor. Yeah, th yeah, that's true. You see the double standard there? They're not going to go and mess with somebody in a nice schoolie parked along the side of the road, but they are going to mess with someone who's got an overcrowded van. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. No, you're definitely right. The stereotypes definitely play into that. Mm -hmm. Classism at its finest. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's look at this one last question and then I think we'll be done. Um, mm -hmm. I like this one a lot. It says, are you addicted to your pain? If, if so, and how, um, and I know we talked about this in our, um, in our support group, which again, I'll link the uh, link for that in the bottom of the description of this podcast, make sure to join it. Cause it's a great group. Um, but one of the people in there shared that she realized that she was addicted to her pain and um that made me kind of real i realized that i'm one of those type of people where um like i'll let stuff go on until the shit hits the fanning the fanning the fan and then i'll like bite down real hard and grit my teeth and be like this is really gonna suck and get it over with and i have gotten used to doing that and i just feel like there's a much easier softer way of living your life you could just find ways that work for you where you don't have to grit your teeth and being all I'm, I'm closing my eyes and like w acting like I'm wincing in pain because that's kind of like what it's how you're programmed. Like. Yeah. It's how I'm programmed. Yeah. To yeah. just bear it, grit your teeth and bear it. And so, uh, and then in doing that, gritting my teeth and bearing it, I, would this kind of reminds me to going back to talking about your mom you know I would maybe complain about all these problems I'm having and then the people that listen to me are people who are also having the same type of problem so now these are the people I'm associating myself with and then um uh I like I guess like I'm always talking about like these trauma things that I'm having going on in my life so that's like where I'm staying and then that will spill out into how I parent how I am with my spouse and you know it's just like I'm always like basking in the the pain that's caused by my trauma and that's not really something I realized that I was doing until recently um so that's a new thing for me um and, and another layer of taking the mask off so um, what about you, Cassie? I realized as I'm going through this that if you put it down, who are you? If you put down the life that you, it's almost like the Vietnam vets that were like, if I 
put this down and I try to move on, then I'm betraying the ones that died, right? So they, they stay stuck in this pattern. And I, it feels almost like betraying the child because no one ever, her, you're the only one who knows her pain. So if you put it down in a sense, you're betraying her. But on the flip side, if you get her past it to accomplish her dreams, you're actually honoring her. But it, the trade-off is you have to figure out who you are at that point. And that's what keeps people, that's for my family at least, they don't know who they are. They know what they were told they had to be, right? So right. if you put that down and then also on the same token, own and be accountable for all the times that you've caused harm and all of the shit that you've done wrong and the, all the times you've been the bad guy, that is a world of hurt. And it fucking sucks, dude. It sucks. But it's so rewarding when you get to give that little girl her dreams, little boy, whatever, whoever you are inside. But yeah, no, it's it's a thing where, especially if you have an addictive history, it's much easier to just stay in the trauma because that is so much safer than like the alternative, but it's also way more painful. And I say that as someone who's literally going through that process right now of figuring out who I am, exercising my voice. Yeah, uh, it's very painful for me too, um, because like you said, you take your the mask off, the tr you put the trauma down, and you're left with, well, who am I? And for me, um, going through the spiritual awakening that I went through this year, the only thing I knew was my name, my age, and my favorite color. That was like literally the only three things I felt like I knew about myself, because the, the whole like the last 30 years of my life have I've literally spent in survival mode I haven't even given myself enough time to think about what hobbies do I like um what people do I like to hang out with and of course like I've had hobbies and I've hung out with people but they were all like the results of my trauma so, you know so just like what I was going back to what I was saying earlier like the people I was hanging out with were people I bonded with over trauma and outside of that trauma I don't actually have anything in common with them so I went had to meet new people and that was really scary and lonely because you there's don't... not a lot of people that think like that there's not a lot we were just talking about this there's not a lot of people that share your values and your convictions most people it is easier to stay in the shitty cycles that they're in because it is more comfortable yeah i will literally like people just be talking about stuff that they do or, or like they believe in and i don't believe in it at all and i'll be like oh yeah I, yeah me too and i'm like heather why are you agreeing to like it doesn't even matter like if you go to their church like why are you agreeing to this it doesn't do matter it, so remember we talked the other day when I was having a full-fledged panic attack because I turned down a job that was like they wanted me to work two weeks after having spinal surgery and I panicked because I felt like I was letting down this person that was in a position of authority and the little me was like oh my god I'm such a piece of shit like because that's how we're programmed like and it makes you you know you be, and we remember that conversation that we had where we figured out we were betraying ourselves in the conversation after the conversation like we're just yeah. we are just trained from a young age to just do whatever gets you along 
as opposed to stand 10 toes down in what you believe in. And that shit is scary. It that shit is, is scary. And you know what else is scary? To think about how long me and you went along to get along. Like literally over three decades. That is almost long- four for me. Yeah, almost four for you. That is a long ass time to like just be on autopilot. That's kind of mm-hmm. like what me and you were doing. Like, that's crazy to like consciously think about. We were literally like living two separate lives for three or four decades. Mm-hmm. Think about how much energy that took. Mm-hmm. And that is why so many of us have chronic illnesses and are burnt the fuck out by the age of 30 because and that is why again the the rise of autistic and neurodivergent people is that they're starting to wake up and be like this has never been who I oh I actually have autism that's why I question everything but I I mean when you're autistic your traits get abused out of you so you just kind of go along with it because everything you think is wrong and you get in trouble for it so it's like it's easier to not it's easier to just shut the fuck up let them do what they're doing even though you're like I have 600 questions about what's going on right now yeah oh my god that is so me like I would I would always like do bad in school not always do bad but let me rephrase when I would do bad it was because I had so many questions but I was afraid to ask my questions like I had too many and I was gonna get in trouble and then I was like oh I'm stupid because all the other kids probably get it and I'm the only one who doesn't and I'm probably the only one who has all these questions and I've noticed as an adult I still think that and I'm like Heather speak up speak up speak up Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember when I went to work, this is the first time that like I can identify as an adult that my neurodivergence was full of flat, full effect. I, st- I went to work for the state of California and I was learning how to process their payroll on this archaic DOS based system. Girl, it's handwritten and DOS. Holy shit. The state of California uses DOS, Microsoft Excel, <clears throat> Internet Explorer and handwritten timesheets, bro. It's gross. And so the my supervisor was trying to explain something to me and it was not, I just didn't get it. And I finally was like, I don't understand why. And she's like, why what? And I was like, why is it this way? What happens and what's the end result? Like, I don't understand. And she's like, I was like, I have to understand why I'm doing something in order to do it. And I was, Jesus Christ, I was probably like, 30 years old, 28 years old when that happened. And that was around the first time that I was like, I need to understand why I I can't, I don't get it. I don't get it. And that goes back to being addicted to your pain. It's just, it's, it's easier to not speak up. It's easier to not ask questions because then you get people that are like, why are you talking? Teachers hate being corrected. And that's why I'm so glad that we are having this podcast so that we can put out these little fires as they come up and we can realize that we do have a voice and we should ask questions and mm. we don't apologize for taking up space mm-hmm. and, and you can put your pain down and still figure out who you are no matter how old you are that's right you could put your pain down and never bring it back up if you don't want to you can and go paint flowers on walls for the rest of your life if, if that's what makes you happy because that's the you know like that's the that's the sky is the limit we can do whatever we want 
you're exactly right. And I, this podcast is so important because it does teach you how to get happy, but you have to trudge through the shit in order to be really happy, genuinely happy. A lot of us attribute happiness to what we have, what we've accomplished without actually stopping to look around and be like, damn, my kids are great. My fridge is full. My lights are on. Okay, cool. That to me, that is true happiness. Like I have $11 in my bank account, but everything around me is safe and peaceful. That's happiness. 11 is a lucky number. You're not wrong. New beginnings. That's right. New beginnings. And I agree. Happiness is an inside job. I feel like happiness for me is whenever I can be alone in my room in the dark or the light turned on don't really matter. No phone, no TV, no friends. And I can lay there and my mind doesn't race and I'm just peaceful and happy and not worried about the future or depressed about the past. Just being present in the moment. And when I can find, or whenever I can find uh, moments of happiness in the present moment with my kids, that makes me mm-hmm. re- feel really, really, you know, like that mm-hmm. real good connection moment. That's really nice. Mm-hmm. And so many people take the things that they have for granted because they're so focused on the things that they don't. Yeah, yeah, that they're that that's so true, and me included, like that's one thing about in my experience anyway trauma was really making it hard for me to be present and enjoy the people places and things in my life and what I have because I was just always thinking about my trauma what people did to me or the lack of the relationship thereof you know like with my mom you know so I don't have a relationship with my mom but actually I told you I told you about this a couple weeks ago there was a man that I met and I listened to him cry for about 20 minutes about how his two-year-old daughter um, got pneumonia or something and she died from it. And he did, just thought she had a cold. Like he did not think she was gonna die at all. And I was just like, why does my daughter get to live and his doesn't? Like, that's crazy. And then I started thinking, you know, not everybody has it all. I bet there's some people that have great moms, but they can't have children. And I bet there's some people who have a great family but they can't seem to find the man of their dreams or whatever or maybe there's some people who have or had a a daughter and now they don't you know and that I hope to god that that's not the life for me and I feel so bad that that's the life for someone else and you know because that guy has a great relationship with his mom he has something that I'll never have but I have something that he'll never have and I don't know why but thinking of that it really I don't know why it made me feel a little better I don't I don't really know why because it's it's because you are grateful for what you have without using someone else as a comparison like it yes you're thinking like he lost his daughter and that's really sad but you are content with your surroundings and that is a feeling that a lot of us it either don't get or it takes forever to figure out it's it's that you're looking at him and being like damn that could be me and being like it's not me i'm gonna fucking cherish the shit out of my kids yeah because tomorrow really never is promised i mean you really don't know like just like this cut on my lip i could have got staph infection from that and died which is Mm -hmm. like pretty extreme but that literally could have happened and i wouldn't Mm -hmm. be sitting here talking to you that Um, does happen to people 
yeah yeah it really does you know so the older I get I'm like shit man I, um I'm not gonna be young forever <laughs> I'm just grateful for what I've got dude like yeah. I'm I be skating below the poverty line but again my fridge is full I have food growing in my garden like my children are happy safe smart well-adjusted like they know autonomy and boundaries and consent which are things that I was not given as a kid. You know, they might not have family, but at least as my therapist says, when they go into the world, no one will be able to tell them who they are. And that, that is what I'm grateful for. Like, I don't have a car. Okay, I can take the bus or walk. Like there's always, there's always this, for me anyways, and I don't know how I'm still like this because I've had a pretty shitty life, but like there's always a silver lining. There's always something to be grateful for because the things you have, you could not have them. You could lose them tomorrow. So it's like present moment gratefulness, present moment grat gratitude. That's why they call it the present because the present is a gift. That part, that part. It's one of my favorite things to say. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say I've had a lot of like child loss on the TikTok FYP and I'm like, what are you trying? Y'all told me I was autistic. So like, what are you trying to say? So it's making me be like, I need to spend more time with my kids. I need to like carve out moments for my babies because it reminds me when I see someone bury their two-year-old. And I have a girl that I follow, her, her son's name is Deacon and he killed himself. And that is just, so I'm gonna, I, I spend time, I watch her grief over her son named Deacon and that shit hits real close to home because that's my kid's name. And so I'm just grateful that I have him. If I lose him tomorrow, like, can I say that he had a good life? Yes. I definitely think you could say he, he has a great life. You're a great mom to him. He's always you smiling. You are a great mom to your babies. Thank you. Thank you. I, yeah, I definitely hope that I ask Eli all the time. I would ask Allie, not, me, I, not all the time. And I would ask her, but she's not old enough. But I ask him uh, sometimes. I asked him earlier, I said, do I spend enough time with you? Um, and he said, yes. I was like, would you tell me if I didn't? And he said he would. So that made me feel mm -hmm. good. Because I remember when I was his age, I, I remember standing at my grandparents' storm door and just staring at the road wishing my parents would come home so bad mm -hmm. and um that made me feel really good that my son doesn't feel like that and I was like yeah. oh, really you think I spend enough time with you all <laughs> good because you know that yeah. mom guilt hits you so hard every day every single day but like they do stuff like that to remind like the other day Elias climbed in my lap and was like mom I am safe and happy and I know that I am loved and I was just like, cause I was having particularly bad mom guilt that day. And like, just to hear him say the things that like, I was literally beating myself up over internally, like that healed something in me because Aww. yeah, we are literally, we are A, who we needed when we were kids, but we are B, who they need now. And we're, we're adjusting cause we're learning, but we are doing a, far cry better than our parents did yeah hell yeah i i without yeah. no tools yeah no roadmap that part i just know i'm not gonna hit my kids yeah i'm not gonna get hit them and 
I'm trying really hard not to yell. I hate yelling. It's something that I still do though, that, that I'm working on though. Mm -hmm. That's a tool that we are still sharpening in the box because our first instinct is to yell, to get louder than the person that we're talking to and assert our dominance. And that is not as we see how things work. Yeah, every time I do it, it literally feels like a relapse because I'm like, the only re reason you did that was to assert your dominance. Like, it, it served no other purpose. Apologize. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> every time. Yep, and I always tell Elias that it's like, he'll be like, it's okay, you're my mom. And I'm like, it's not okay that I talk to you like that. Like, I appreciate the forgiveness, but that's no, like people don't talk to you that way. Like I shouldn't have talked to you that way. So like, but we, we do. And like, he knows that mommy talks to lots of doctors and that I'm in therapy. So like, hopefully one day he'll be like, mm, at least she tried not to yell at me. Like instead of, I can look back at my mom and be like, that bitch did not try. Yeah. Thank you for that. Because I'm sure a lot of people can relate. Like, they'll be like, God, I really feel like I suck as a parent. But then you think about your parent who really did suck. And you're like, okay, I didn't suck that bad. That part on my shittiest day is still better than my mom's best. And that is Fine. that is something that's keeping me going. Like, they're, my children are healthy, happy, safe well-adjusted they know they're loved and that's all that that's all that that's all that probably kids ask for they just want to be happy held and loved anyways and seen they want to be seen yeah and seen and heard and validated know. yeah and validated and mm -hmm. and some some hugs and cuddles mm -hmm. we call them snoods in our house snooglaze oh snooglaze i love it mommy you want a snoog i mean always yeah, me too. Yeah, I love snug snoogling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Well, thank you so much, Cassie, for another wonderful podcast. Um, make sure that you guys catch our um, our group that we're going to be having. It's going to be on uh, Tuesday, which is September the 19th. Sorry, I couldn't think of the date in my 20th, head. That's 20th. tomorrow. The what? 20th. 20th. Oh yeah, the 20th. Oh yeah, September the 20th, not the 19th. Thank you. That's tomorrow, Tuesday, and then we'll do chapter three on the body keeps the score two Tuesdays from that. Um, but thank you every so much for. I cannot talk. Thank you everyone for listening, <laughs> and we will be back to you next week. <laughs>